the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Time now for the Church of the Week, showcasing churches and pulpit ministries from across the greater San Francisco Bay Area. A reading of Romans 12, we find a passage of Scripture that I think ideally suits our guest today. Romans 12 reads, They triumphed or became overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And I think that certainly ideally describes the life and ministry of Rohi Christian Church located in San Jose. With us is Senior Pastor, Pastor Shana James. And Pastor James, welcome. Great to have you with us. Thanks, Craig. Thanks for having me. I'm curious, have you shared with our listeners a little bit about some of the history of Rohi? I understand you've had a presence down in the greater San Jose area, my goodness, uh, 24, almost 25 years now. Yeah, we we actually started out with a um, program reaching out to at-risk youth in the community called Midnight Basketball. And we were serving, we served over 25,000 kids in the Bay Area, and we saw them give their life to Jesus Christ uh, through our workshops. But they weren't going to church. And so uh, we prayed about it and decided, you know, we found out the needs and the things that they wanted in a church, and we decided to start a church. And so in 2000, we actually officially planted, and we started the church with uh, three people, one of whom was a (laughs) 13-year-old. And uh, we've been around now uh, for almost 20, for 23, almost 24 years. What a delight. And I love that sense of, of that groundwork, that foundation of outreach and evangelism, and in particular, focusing on young people. And that's a challenge today, isn't it? I mean, if we look at what's going on in the news, typically we're seeing young people are getting wilder and wilder. There was a a survey that teachers responded to many, many years ago, I think in the 1950s, and they listed some of the top 10 things that they were most concerned about in relationship to behavior of kids at the high school level. And it was things like running in the hallways, chewing gum in class, failing to turn in their homework. Today, that very same list filled out by teachers concerned about what's happening with young people might include things like failure to show up to school, showing yes. up to school with weapons, fighting in class, things of this sort. It's certainly demonstrative of not only a shift in our American culture today, but I think the necessity to really focus on reaching young people and doing it in an effective fashion. And so the sense of your church having its very roots, its foundation in outreach to young people, I think is wonderful. Yeah, we we deeply believe that, um, especially now, it's been, that was 23 years ago, but there's been a a definite shift. Um, And not just with, with young people that are in public schools, but even in Christian schools who are struggling and having questions and, you know, concerned about their safety and their future. The pandemic really brought a lot of that out. And so um, for us, we really believe we're a full family church. You know, we're not just a church full of young people, but um, we, we deeply believe in reaching back and helping in high school, junior high school age kids, because there's just there's there's not enough help, I guess. There'll never be. It takes a village, right? It always takes a village. But sharing Christ with them is the most important thing that we love to offer. And that sense, I think, as you're suggesting, Pastor James, of wrapping your arms around the entire family is cro- so critically important because as easy as it is to to challenge or to raise questions about the behavior of young people today, parents, my goodness, what a challenge they are facing. Now, I, I remember jokingly when I was growing up, you know, and I think a lot of us heard this, you know, mom or dad would talk about how difficult they had it. They had to walk to school 10 miles in one direction in the snow uphill. I was never quite understood how it was 10 miles in the snow uphill coming home too, right? right Normally a hill right. only goes one way, but that was what I was told. 
And and yet, as much as our parents talked about the challenges that they had in parenting, I don't know that there's been a generation of parents that has faced bigger challenges than this current generation, whether it's a struggle to make ends meet, to keep food on the table and a roof over their heads, especially in an area like the San Francisco Bay region where it is so enormously expensive and in a post-COVID environment has only gotten worse. And added to that, of course, things like inflation, the cost of housing. And then you add to that the number of factors that seem to challenge a parent's authority, whether it's things going on within public schools or even simply trying to compete with the influence of social media and parents trying to instill one set of values in their children. And then the kids, you know, throughout the rest of the evening or the day are on the cell phone and they're connecting via social media where they're receiving an entirely contrarian message to the fundamental Christian values that mom and dad is trying to instill in their son or daughter. It makes it challenging, doesn't it? Absolutely. And parents are faced with with all of that, plus social behaviors. COVID put a a whole different spin on kids' abilities to interact for three years. And we're seeing a lot of that non-social behavior impacting the way kids are interacting with one another. And, you know, you talked about public schools, but we do a lot of work, not just in public schools around us, but also in the private school where my kids are at, at Valley Christian in San Jose. And um, I'll, I'll be honest with you, it is not, we often think, oh, the private school kids don't see that. Oh, uh-uh. it's serious with them. They're struggling with social media. They're struggling with sexual identity. They're struggling with, you know, racial injustice. They're struggling with what do I do with my life? Where, where do I go to school? The pressures of parenting, putting on me to be one way and not another. And so there's this side of working with the kids, but then for our church, it's also sort of this side of working with parents too, to help them understand, you know, how do you love your kid? How do you, you know, um, help them through this and guide them in a biblical way? Because um, there's so much out there about how to parent, but a lot of it isn't biblical. Um, And so we, we really try to help and work with our families. We also like for our church, we have a really strong children's ministry. Our teachers are phenomenal. Um, but we, we don't treat our kids like kids. We, we don't go, well, they play games and they have fun, but I've never seen in the Bible where there's a junior Holy spirit. Like there's a different level of Holy spirit for kids than there is for, no, we believe that our kids should have power to learn how to pray and learn the word and be able to stand on the word because, you know, the Bible tells you, you know, how do you make your way pure? It's by standing on the word, by knowing the word of God as a young man. And so we don't back off of that in teaching our children. We just teach them in a way that makes it real. And we've had young people in our church from a family perspective. Like I literally had a young person about a month ago come to me and say, I am having a really hard time connecting with my mom and I don't like it. And I'm like, first of all, wow, you're coming to me telling me this. <laughs> yeah, no, normally the shoe's on the other foot. It's mom it's saying, it's I, I don't around, know how to talk to my kids. Yeah. Right. It's usually that. But the kids, you know, because they're growing up in their faith, because they're becoming disciples of Christ, because they're learning that their voices matter in this church, they're able to talk to, to pastors and leaders in this church and say, I'm struggling with my mom. Can you pray for me? I don't know what to do. Help me. And we were able to to put together, you know, a meeting between the, the 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 parent and the child, and work through some of those issues and find out what was going on. And you know, and I and we do the periodic check ins. How's it going? And the kids like it's so great. It's so much better. So it's I believe ministry, Craig, is not just this. I'm teaching you the Bible. It's I'm teaching you how to live this out, because God cares about every aspect of your life. And for us at Rohi, church is about this community where we care about every aspect of your life. We have, Craig, this is the funniest thing, but I think we're a very small church, but we have, um, I think, six or seven Division I collegiate athletes that have been born and come out of our church. And it's because the church, their parents care, but we've, we've helped parents, you know, those weekends, I'm one of them. One of those weekends when you got to be in a field or in a gym on a Sunday morning. And sometimes church used to feel like, oh, you're bad if you don't go to church. But we discovered there are ways that we can still connect 
and help our children to learn about Christ, even if they're on the road, even if they they can't make it that Sunday morning, but there's still a support system. So for me, it's it's about community. It's about loving each other. It's about caring. Our youth pastors go to games and go to graduations. And I mean, we're just a part of each other's life so that families don't seem like they're in this culture alone, doing life alone. Pastor James, take a moment, if you would, for folks that have been eavesdropping on our conversation, and they are just, wow. They think, I, I just, I love what I've heard, and I'd like to find out more about what God is doing through Rohe Christian Church of San Jose. Spend a couple of minutes, if you would, please, just tell us about the the, the breadth and depth of ministry at Rohe. Yeah, okay. So our church is uh, deeply committed to making disciples who make disciples. Uh, and what that means is, is that we we're deeply committed to helping people grow in their faith and grow in their walk with God. So we do a lot of things in the community, like have outreach events, uh, Easter egg hunts during Christmas time. We call them Christmas for San Jose. I'm sorry, Easter egg hunts during Easter time. That's Easter for San Jose. Then we do Christmas for San Jose, which is we give away toys and gifts to people in the community, but we use that to share the love of Jesus Christ and to share Christ. But it's also the everyday stuff that we do as a church. So I'm excited because we have ministries where we are reaching now, not just in the community, but we have the online church, which is so if you can't make it to San Jose and you're just like, I want to get connected, you can watch us online. We have a seniors ministry that's going to be starting. And I used to think, well, seniors need to be in person, but a lot of them want to stay home. So it's a new online ministry starting for seniors. Um, I have a passion for entrepreneurs. So we have a new ministry starting this fall for people who are small business owners and entrepreneurs and helping them uh, grow their business because God cares about your business, you know, um, or workplace ministry, teaching people how to share the gospel at work and how to start small Bible studies and prayer groups at work. So we have a lot of things, not to mention, obviously, our vibrant children's ministry and our connection with schools. So we have a lot of volunteers who come from local schools to our church. And in coming to volunteer because of the requirement of needing to volunteer, they get saved and they end up staying. I love it. Um, (laughs) They serve, but then they give their life to Jesus Christ. So there's a lot, um, but mostly our church, the, the depth of our church is not in the things that we do. The depth of our church is in being in community together with each other and loving each other. And it's just such a wonderful place. So, um, yeah, that's more about us. And you can find out information about us by going to rohichurch.org. It's all one word, rohichurch.org. And you can find out more about our church or going to our Facebook page at Rohi Christian Church and seeing more about what we do there. Your service times in person are Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Is that correct? Yes. And tell us where you meet. We meet in San Jose in uh, the east side of San Jose, right across from Eastridge Mall. And folks can go online to get more information again at rohichurch.org. That's R-O-H-I, rohichurch.org. Or call the church directly at area code 408-270-4854. Well, Pastor James, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Craig. It's been a joy being here. Come on in and let's read together. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things say the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Father, thank you for this word today. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would take it and tailor make it to each and every person that is here. Holy Spirit, come, move me aside and preach this message with power and vigor in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Amen. Before you're seated, turn to somebody and say, keep it a hundred. Don't be saying it like the proper people. Keep it 100. Now say, keep it 100. 
Keep it a hundred. Amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. The title of my message today is keep it a hundred with God. Keep it a hundred with God. And yes, I have to say it like that because if y'all want to say 100, you can say 100. But I got to say hundred because that's the way we say where I'm from. Keep it a hundred. And I am starting a series this month called Church on Fire. The series is called Church on Fire. Now, as I was preparing for this message, God reminded me of um, this time when my kids were younger, I was so, the reason I, that, that video resonated so much with me with all the parents say amen, that the church is starting, children's church is starting back, because I remember as a single mom with two little boys that I was just like, I need a break. And the only way I could get break is if I would go away to conferences. <laughs> so I, I had went away to a conference and I was so excited. And when I got there um, that that day, I mean, I had been traveling all day long because it was back east, and I was wiped out. You know how you're just exhausted when you go on a trip, but you're glad you're there. Even if it's a work trip, you're just like, oh, something different. And I just was like, I'm going to go to bed early. I'm going to get a good night's sleep because tomorrow the conference starts at like 8 a.m., which, by the way, Eastern time is 5 a.m. my time. So I'm like, I'm going to bed at 9 o'clock their time, which is like 6 o'clock our time. But I'm like, I don't care because I'm tired and I just want to get some rest. And I'm going to sleep good tonight. You ever go into a hotel room going, it's going to be a good night of sleep? And I lay down about 9 o'clock and finally fell asleep about 9.30. And as I'm laying there and I'm going to sleep, I'm like, whew, feeling pretty good. Everything's good. 9.30, I'm knocked out. 3 a.m., the whole room is shaking. I'm like, what in the entire is going on? And I wake up and I look outside. I said, oh, my God, no, they didn't. It's a train track right outside my window. And the train came through at 3 a.m. And it wasn't one of those two-car trains. It had to have 50, 60 cars on it because that thing kept going for about 15 minutes. You know, sometimes you wake up real quick, you can go back down. But if you wake up and you're up for a long time, I was so mad. I said, okay, Jesus, that was just for tonight. I go to the conference room, the the conference the next day, have a long day from 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. I'm moving until about 6 or 7 at night. I said, I'm going to bed early again. That train couldn't come through twice. Three o'clock, the the train is honking, rattling. I said, that's it. I'm about to cuss everybody out. But I was a a pastor. Jesus was in my life, so I couldn't cuss to other people. But I said some words. I said, Lord. And the next morning, I I called because I had two more nights of this. And I called down to the front desk, or I went down to the front desk the next morning, and I said, look, I said, I need another room. I said, there is a train that runs right outside my room every day. She said, there is? I said, it come every morning at 3 o'clock. She said, hmm. She said, oh, you know, we've been living here for so long, we don't even think about that train no more. She said, we don't even pay attention, but it does come through every morning. I said, every morning? She said, yeah, and unfortunately, there's not a room in the hotel where you won't hear it. And the Lord reminded me of this story. Because the Lord said, church... My presence is trying to come through, shake stuff and rattle things up. But y'all have been so comfortable with things that you don't even move when God shows up. You miss. I'm I'm not talking about outside the church. I'm talking about folks inside the church being so casual with God's presence, casual with the things of God, so comfortable. Listen here, we in the Western world have gotten too comfortable with God's presence. So much so that it don't even move us, shake us. The glory of God's trying to show up, trying to shake us up at all times of the night and in the morning. And you know what we like? God, I'm good. Oh, I'm, I'm about to mess with you. I didn't come. I'm going to tell you, this month and next month, I didn't come to play with nobody. Because the Lord is shaking things up. He took me to Revelations 3.19. I sent and I asked all of our leaders, I said, I need you to be praying. Because when God speaks to the church, he's already said something in the past before. And you can find it in scripture in Revelation 2 and 3. He speaks to seven churches with seven different types of issues. And I asked our leadership team, I said, can you be praying? This is around July. Can you be praying? or August, and ask God, what is he saying to this church based on these scriptures? And we got 
almost all of the responses were the same, except for one which wasn't off from the other. One response was, he says, you've lost your first love. But every other response was this passage, which was Revelation 3. Watch this. He says, you are neither hot or cold. He said, I know your works. This church has gotten lukewarm. And he says, because you're lukewarm, I will vomit you out of my mouth. You've got, watch this, we're too casual. When God gives us a word, we're casual with it. We don't really bounce up and do it. In other parts of the country, see, in other parts of the world, they're not this casual with God's presence. We pray for third world countries like, oh my God, they ain't got nothing. They praying for us like they got all that and still don't have the presence of God. They got the presence of God. We don't. You go to other countries, y'all don't like worship. We like worship was an hour today. Oh my God. Other countries, they just getting started. Because they long and yearn for the power of God. There is no yearning any longer in the body of Christ for the presence of God. And I'm not talking about the big C church. I'm talking about Rohi Christian church. Now, hear me when I say this. You might need to get a piece of candy for this message because it's going to sting a little and candy makes it sweeter. So if you need a piece of candy, there's some peppermint over there, go get up and get it. Get your little feelings. Don't get them hurt. But I'm coming to tell you what God has said to our church to this day, one way or another. And I've decided if people walk up and leave, God bless you. But I want to talk to a church that wants to be on fire for God. I don't want to pastor a church any longer that's lukewarm. I want to pastor a church where we see the goodness of God. The church should be shown. The world should look at us and we should have a joy about us. I don't want to be pastoring a church where we walking off and we depressed and we sad. Wait a minute. I thought God was in your life. I don't want to pastor a church where we're walking up and there is no power in us. If somebody is hurting, we should have the ability to pray and to bring deliverance and healing and breakthrough in their lives. We should not look like the world and what I have seen church is we I'm not talking about y'all me too as a pastor we look like the world and enough's enough God said I want this church Rohi Christian Church to be a church on fire and I'm going to explain what that means today now we have our mission statement on the wall which is about making disciples. It's really our disciple-making process. It's real change, now go. And today I want to talk to you about getting real with God. Real means having an authentic encounter with Almighty God. Do you not know each and every Sunday you come up in here, there ought to be an encounter? But what's happening is, watch this, we've become so casual that we have unknowingly created idols out of the very things that were meant to enhance our connection with Almighty God. Our emotions have become idols. Oh, Lord, I ain't got to get an amen because I know I'm preaching this right here. Just me and the water bottle. You got that word? Look at here. Our emotions have become the compass dictating whether we do or don't do what God has called us to do in the moment. We based on how I feel. I don't feel like doing this. I, look, I had to confess before our leaders this morning. I was like, you need to stop being late, Shana. This is ridiculous. Like, I'm always late. And I've made it like, well, that's just who I am. That's just, oh, I'm just like, but you know what? When it's money involved and somebody paying me to speak, I'll be on time. I'll be extra early. I'll be there with bells on, whistles on, everything got up at 5 o'clock a.m. to be somewhere at 10 o'clock because I'm getting some money for this. But I can't come into the presence of God the same way. I'm too casual. I ain't just talking about y'all. We casual. Our schedules dictate whether we can find time for prayer and find time for the word and often putting our time with God on a back burner because I don't have time today. I got to go to work. God knew you had to go to work when he called you to spend time with him. But God, I got to be there at seven. Well, wake up at 430. I'm preaching to us. We have grown complacent where we mistake our comfortable routines for true devotion. Well, I go to church every Sunday. Oh, I checked the box. I read that one OSL scripture today. God's like, I'm deeper. 
You've been doing that for five years. You mean to tell me you can't wake up 10 minutes earlier this time? Oh, I'm about to come. I, I know we might lose some people, but I know we're going to gain some on fire folks. And I'm good with that. He said, I wish that you were cold or hot. Don't be lukewarm. So today I'm talking to you about keeping it 100. 100 is about staying completely real and honest with where you are with God. Where he gets 100% of my life and not just a piece of it. So to keep it 100 in the culture today means to do three things. Here's the three things you're going to have to do. Here's the first thing you got to do. You got to do a temperature check if you're going to keep it 100. You got to do a temperature check. Jesus said in verse 15, I know your works that you are neither cold nor hot, and I wish you were cold or hot. So I'm going to tell you how to determine if you're lukewarm, cold, or hot. See, a lukewarm Christian describes a lukewarm relationship with God that lacks fire and lacks passion and lacks a genuine commitment in our walk with God. A lukewarm Christian may go through the motions of religion. That's why I said, why are we up in here tripping on like, okay, no, we're supposed to be, she should be preaching by now. That's lukewarm. Some of us are like, you can't go too long because I got some other stuff to do today. We have purposely tried to keep our church to an hour and a half because some people are like, if you go to two hours, that's a long time. Straight up. I got stuff to do after church. So hurry up, pastor. That's lukewarm. You came in not seeking the presence of God. You came in not looking for an encounter. If God showed up and an encounter happened, why are we trying to hurry up and get out of his presence? Oh, God, I'm ready to go. From what? For what? Didn't we show up? I know I'm preaching this thing this morning. Didn't we show up because we said, God, I need you. God, I need to hear from you. God, I want a real encounter with you. Or didn't we just show up to say this is what I'm supposed to do on Sunday mornings? I'm telling you, we got to start coming to church with an expectation. God's going to move today. And guess what? I ain't going to leave this place till I get a word or a move or something from my God. To be lukewarm means to show no enthusiasm, no enthusiasm or dedication to going deeper in the things of God. To be lukewarm means we have compromised our devotion to God, allowing worldly distractions, comfort, and self-centeredness to take precedent over a wholehearted pursuit of Almighty God. Some of y'all need to take your phones and throw them across the room during your time of devotion. Because you're getting dings and notifications all day long, and it's interrupting your time with God. And even if you ignore it, it's sitting in the back of your head. That is lukewarm. If you can't put your phone down to spend just a little bit of time with Jesus, some of y'all are like, she's so mean today. I ain't mean. I'm telling you what God told me. Because God, Jesus said, I will spit you out. That's not nice. Some of y'all are like, this is a harsh word. Yes, it is. But it's done in love. Just give me a minute. I'm going to come to the love. Let me break down the hard. You know how you got to, sometimes you got to, like, the, the Lord says, I discipline those I love. And this is a discipline from the top down, from me to you. Trust me, I called Pastor Jewel last night, and I accidentally started preaching this message to her because we was talking. And I was like, I feel like I'm preaching to myself. And like everybody just listening to me in God's conversation. Because this ain't just you. It's me too. A lukewarm Christian lacks fire, vibrancy, authenticity that should characterize a deep and transformative relationship with God. Now, Quickly, to be cold is someone who's spiritually indifferent, indifferent, just distant or outright rejecting God in the faith. You cold. You just cold. Do you not know Jesus said, I'd rather you be cold than to be lukewarm? I'd rather you just downright reject me than to be playing these, th- these games in the church than to be so comfortable with me. I was like, that's kind of cold. At least I know you. He was like, Mm-mm, but you ain't really walking with me. Because see, what you're doing is giving a false facade of what being a Christian means to the world. And I would rather you just not walk with me than to do that. I was like, oops, you want to talk about, I love you, God. I love you, Lord. He's like, you don't love me. 
What we do is we come to God for what we can get. And then when we get it, well, I'm good. Do you not know that there are times that God blesses me stuff? I don't even say thank you sometimes. Literally, and I talk about this all the time, and it's so small, but I have to say thank you more. Every time I go to a crowded parking lot, I always get good parking. It's the favor of God all my life. I declare it. I, walk, I never go to Oak Ridge. Oak Ridge is the worst for parking. Never go to Oak Ridge and not get a good spot. My son is here. He can witness. We always, now we might ride around a little bit longer than others to get it, but we're going to get us a good spot because I'm, de- I'm determined I'm going to get me a good spot. And I know it's the, and I always be saying, God loves me. He's going to get me a good parking spot. And some of y'all are like, that is so ridiculous. No, God cares about even that. And when I get that parking spot, I just get out the car like, do, 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 told you. Instead of saying, thank you, God. I praise you. That should be a moment of worship right there in the parking lot. But I even have gotten too casual over little stuff like that. So God says, Jesus says, I would rather that you just be straight up cold, like just be completely removed and distant, be absolutely indifferent, be resistant to me than to come up and play this little wishy-washy game with me. And some of y'all are like, see that right there is why I don't come to church all the time. Ain't nobody got time for that. I'm going to deal with that in a minute too. But he said, I want you to be hot. I'd rather that you be hot. What does it mean to be hot? It means to be passionate, to be wholehearted, to be fervently committed to your relationship with God. To be hot means to be enthusiastic and zealous for the presence of God. A hot Christian is deeply devoted to their time with God, actively seeking how I can align my life. How can I get my life together under your presence, God? Hot believers display a fervor for prayer for worship, for serving others, for sharing the gospel. A hot Christian is characterized by an authentic and genuine faith that goes beyond these mere rituals and rules, that embraces this deep, felt, heartfelt intimacy with God that fuels every single thing they do. To be hot means that your passion for God's presence and your love for him is evident in your enthusiasm. Like, I will do anything for you, God. A hot Christian is faithful, available, teachable, alive, vibrant, ablazing. The word of God is in them. The power of God is on them. The anointing is on them. Everywhere they go, people get impacted because something on them is touching, going, oh, my God, you're different. It is because I am ablaze with the fire of the Holy Spirit. That's what it means. And that's what Jesus wants because lukewarm Christians mean nothing to him. Remember Revelations 3.19? As many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. So here's some five quick questions for you to assess whether you're maintaining a vibrant, passionate, hot connection with God. Number one, am I consistently engaging with God's word and prayer? Now I want y'all to do a temperature check and check yourself. You lukewarm, cold, or hot. Are you consistently engaging with God's word and prayer? Are you regularly spending time in God's word and prayer, seeking his guidance, his wisdom? And I want to take it a step further. If you've been doing that for a while, are you doing anything extra to spend more time with him? Like, let's say I got into a routine. You know, 30 minutes, I'm up. I do my 30-minute devotion, I'm out. What about on the weekends? Have you ever just said, God, I'm going to just give you this morning. It's going to let you have me. Whatever we do, we do. Worshiping him. The second thing is, do I prioritize my relationship with God over other commitments? Think about your schedule and your commitments. Are you placing your relationship with God in the forefront or is it in the back seat of work, hobbies, sports activities, uh, golf, uh, tennis, pickleball? That's a new thing we into now. That pickleball thing is taking over the world. I kind of want to try it. I ain't going to lie. I think it's like the old man's tennis. But Watch this. Do you not know we prioritize self-care over time with God? We're in a culture where self-care is very important, and we need to take care of ourselves, but we will spend more time doing self-care than we'll spend in the presence of God. Number three, is my worship authentic and passionate? Think about your worship experiences, whether in church or in private moments in your daily life. Are you engaged and enthusiastic 
Or are you just kind of like, we're here today? See, if you hot and you come up in this church, I'm trying to just keep it 100. Y'all say I keep it 100. If you hot and you walk, work up in, walk in this church, the Jewel don't have to talk to get you to worship. Jewel can play one key on the keyboard and you shouting. You done lost your mind because you came in hot. You came in with the presence. You came in with the power of God. You came in worshiping. Some of us, we, listen, look, look, this is, some of y'all ride to church listening to Drake. Somebody came to church this morning listening to Meek Mill, Drake, Beyonce, and then you want to walk up in here and try to worship. Let me just give you a little clue. I ain't trying to beat you up, but I'm saying next Sunday, try putting on a little worship music before you come. Worship him in your car before you get here so that when you come, the presence of God is already awake, alive, and active in you. And when we start worshiping, look, ain't nobody got to prime you at that point because you done been spending time with God already in the car. Even if you can't wake up earlier on Sunday morning to worship God, just put on some gospel, some kind of God, some kind of Jesus, some kind of something music music or a sermon or something to get you ready for the presence of God. So, cause otherwise what happens is you come in here and we take 30 minutes in worship and you ain't even ready for the word because the Bible says this, you ought to enter my gates with Thanksgiving and enter my courts with praise. But you walked in singing Beyonce music with no gratefulness and no thankfulness. I, I ain't trying to hurt you or cut you. I'm trying to teach God wants us on fire. Okay, I'm, I'm, no, I ain't going to rush. I'm going to take my time. Number four, am I willing to sacrifice for God? Think about your willingness to make sacrifice. Are you willing to step out of your comfort zone, even when it's challenging, to do what God called you to do? I'm going to tell you, this hit me. I'm going to talk about this in a little bit. But sometimes our sacrifices no longer are sacrifices. They become disciplines. And when they become disciplines, we need to sacrifice more. And we think, well, I'm doing all this, God. And God's like, and? A sacrifice means it ought to cost you something. What are you doing in your life that's costing something for the power of God in your life? Okay, number five. How's my compassion and love for other people? You can't be cussing other folks out all the time and talk about, I'm hot for Jesus. I'm on fire. You ain't on fire. You on fire with something, but it ain't the presence of God. You cannot hold hate in your heart for years for someone and tell me you're not on fire for God. You're not on fire for God because now that stuff should get burnt up. You cannot hold unforgiveness in your heart for something somebody did to you back when you was five and you can't let it go and you sitting there like, I will never talk to them. I never. Some of y'all don't talk to your cousin because they put raisins in a potato salad. If I won't be hot, I got to let that go. And raisins and potato salad, for those of you who eat it, God bless you. And for the rest of us, we know better. I don't know why people be putting the weirdest stuff in potato salad. Everything is not meant to go in a potato salad. Garbanzo beans do not belong in potato salad. You be putting all kinds of stuff. I was like, that is no longer potato salad. That's like a bean salad. I don't know. All right. Keep it 100. Point number two. I, you have to not only do a temperature check, so you have to ask yourself, God, where am I? But the next thing you got to do is you got to learn how to move from lukewarm to lit. You, you got to know how to go from lukewarm. So I'm telling you, I only wanted to identify where we were in step one. But step two, we've got to now decide I'm going to move from being lukewarm to being lit and on fire for God. And Jesus gives us a recipe for how to do it. He gives us a two-step process in Revelations 3.19 to show you how to go from lukewarm to lit. He says two things you must do. So the first thing he talked about is I love you, I rebuke you, and chasten you. That's point one. That's the love, that's the rebuke, that's the chasten. But then he says, therefore, be zealous and repent. The two things you have to do is to be zealous and repent. So watch this. Jesus, zealous. The word in the Greek for zealous is zelo. Like zelo green, but put a Z in front. Zelo. Right? 
It means to strive, to desire, to exert oneself earnestly, to be dedicated, to be enthusiastic, to be excited, to have effort. I was studying this and the Lord hit me. Effort is what zeal looks like. There's this song they used to play when I was a kid, because we're talking about keeping a hundred. When I was a kid, they used to sing this song, and it used to say, um, uh, Lord, I'm running, trying to make a hundred, because 99 and a half just won't do. And I used to have an attitude. I was like, I ain't never singing that song. We will never sing that song in my church. You know why I said it? Because I was like, there are no perfect Christians. I ain't going to be chasing perfection, God. Anybody got time to be chasing perfection? That song is theologically incorrect. And last night, God said, you're incorrect. I was like, huh? He said, they're not talking about you have to be perfect in everything you do. When I say keep it 100, I'm not telling you you got to be perfect in everything. He said, I want 100% of your effort. Zell is 100% effort. I said, uh, he said 99 and a half on effort won't do with me. To be hot means I'm giving you everything. I'm willing. I'm working. And I started going effort, effort, effort. Now, I love sports. Anybody who knows me knows sister can talk about college football all day. And yesterday was the start of college football. Those of you who like pro football, God bless you. It also started this week for the week for the for the season. But college football started this weekend. And I don't even care, but I got up on Saturday morning and I watched Colorado play TCU. Because I had to see Dion. I was like, what, what prime time got going over there? And I said, that boy of his going to be a Heisman Trophy candidate. 510 yards. Do y'all see the effort it took for me to study this and learn all this? And God said, now, well, how come you couldn't get up and spend time in my word like that? <laughs> Spending all this time looking at Dion. How about you spend some time looking at the Holy Ghost? I was like, you got me. Not to say you cannot have fun. But God also showed me something. Prime time was prime time for a reason. Dion was prime time because he had amazing effort both on the football field and the baseball field. And I said, I ain't never seen nothing like that. And I started studying and I said, God, I want to see some things about effort. I want to understand effort better. And as I studied, I came upon Ray Lewis. Now, Ray Lewis is a NFL, well, was an NFL player who played for 17 years in the NFL for the same team, the Baltimore Ravens. It is unheard of, first of all, to play 17 years, but then to play for the same team. He was one of two NFL defensive linemen to ever in history be named a Super Bowl MVP. They don't give MVP awards to defensive people. It's usually the quarterback, the running back, this, that, and the other. He was an offensive team's nightmare. Ray Lewis had zeal. He displayed effort. You got that video for me? I want you to see him talk about effort. There's not a person on my team in 16 years that has consistently beat me to the ball every play. That ain't got nothing to do with talent. That's just got everything to do with effort. Nothing else. 15 straight years. 12 Pro Bowls later. If you want numbers. I done saw all of it. And the only thing that's kept me around is my effort. All I ever knew was effort would get me seen on tape. Effort will get me noticed to get to the league. Effort would one day take care of my mom and my kids. Effort, which is between you and you. Nobody else can give you effort. And I'm still grinding because the next kid is talking about he getting too old. Keep watching me if I ain't. Nobody ain't got to convince me of what I do. I do what I do because I do what I do because I'm built from something. That's why I run to the hotels. I don't need to talk to nobody before my games. I just need to see what I once came from. I'm just sharing my story to tell y'all every time you think somebody got it good, man, it ain't always good. Somebody just, some, some people just make up their mind and they just grind and say the heck with it, man. 
but sometimes that's all you can do. How much of our brains are we really going to use? There's no other man out there willing to give up what I'm willing to give up. I said that in 1993, when I said I wanted to be the greatest hurricane, and the only thing that I got in the middle of all of that distance is the only thing that follows work is results. There's no other blueprint. I ain't got no other secrets to tell y'all today. I ain't come here for nothing else but to tell you, if you want to do something, work at it. You want a better relationship with God, work at it. You want to understand why pulling your pants up is important, why yes ma'am and no ma'am is important, why being in a meeting with complete silence when somebody walks in, because it's presence and essence that determines respect. So all we talking about, the power of respect is never to disrespect. Question is, what are you going to do with your time? What drives you? I understand from a sports perspective, perspective effort. I understand you got to grind it out. You got to be a dog if you want to get somewhere if you're an athlete. If you want to be the best of the best, you got to put in the extra work. You got to put in the extra time. You got to do things that other people aren't willing to do so you can have the stuff that other people aren't willing to have. We get that for sports, but we don't get that for our faith. We're supposed to be grinders in our relationship with God. We're supposed to be going where we're like, God, athletes will get up at five in the morning to work out when nobody else is in the gym. You need to get up in the morning and work your spiritual muscle by spending time with God when nobody else is up in the house. Where is the effort? Do we have effort when it comes to our walk with God? Do we have effort where we're like, God, I'm going to push past the uncomfortable. I'm going to do the hard work because God, I want everything you have for me. I believe a church on fire, a church that's hot, a church that's keeping it 100 is going after everything with effort. You grinding like a dog for what God has for you. We always say, you know why athletes are so celebrated? Because we stand in awe at what their effort produces. Wow, Steph Curry, he shoots like he shoots because of effort. He works like a dog to get it. You know why you're not seeing miracles? You know why we're not seeing them in the church? You know why we're not seeing the power of God just show up all the time? Because we ain't showing up with no effort. We treat everything else like I got to work hard, but we just kind of don't think we got to work hard for our relationship with God. I want dogs for God. I want folks in this church. Some of y'all don't understand that terminology. What that means is you scrappy. You'll do anything. You'll get in there. You'll fight. You'll go hard to get what God. I want dogs in the body of Christ. Dogs who are like, yes, God, if it requires me to get up at 430 in the morning to spend an hour with you, I will do what I got to do because I want what you have for me. I want the power of God. I want my family healed. I want to see people delivered. I am sick and tired. Come on, somebody of us walking around with this lackluster attitude like God show up and do something. God is like, where are my grinders in the faith? Where are my people who going to get in there and say prayers at eight o'clock? I'm coming. I'm going to go to prayer to say Oh, I got to spend time in an hour in worship in my car instead of turning off this other music. I will worship. I want some folks who will say, I will write in journal even if I don't know how to write because I want everything God has. I don't want to let it go. I need some grinders. We stand back and we think this is what life's supposed to look like. No, do you not know grinding is scriptural? Mark 8, 34, Jesus says, who does ever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up your cross. That's a grind and follow me for whoever desires to save his life. You're going to lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospel will save it. Look, if you will grind this thing out, you will not have a life that looks like nobody else's. Look at these pro athletes. What changed things for them was Effort. When you see them, don't sit back and go, that's pretty cool. No, ask yourself, how can I put that in my life? <sighs> Matthew 6, Jesus says, but seek first his kingdom. You know what he's saying? Grind it out with me. Put me first. And all this other stuff will come. You trying to get the stuff without getting on fire and seeking God. 
zealous, zeal. And then here's my favorite, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. Not, a, not 99% of your heart, not 50% of your heart, 100%, 100% of effort, 100% of effort in my soul, my mind, my will, and my emotion to keep them in alignment with your word. 100% of my effort to say, God, I have the strength to get through this. Look, I'm going through some things right now. I'm like, it's overwhelming, God. I don't think I can do this. And God said, because you ain't grinding. You're trying to be comfortable and rest and relax. He said, get up and grind and you'll get everything I called you to do done. I know what I called you to do. I know what I put in your spirit. I know what you're supposed to be doing, but I need you to get hot. Keep it a hundred. Grind that thing out, girl, and get what I have for you. All, not partial, all. And the third thing, you're going to do a temperature check. You're going to go from lukewarm to lid. And the third thing he tells you to do is repent. You know what repent means? I stopped doing wrong. And I start doing right. I just say, I'm going to make this change. Some of y'all making change too complicated. I always do this. I do it. I know God's working on me. I always say, on Monday, I start my diet. That's, that's not a grinder. You don't want it. You made an excuse. Repentance says, I'm starting right now, God. I'm keeping it 100. This is where I am. This is the authentic me. But God... If you want me hot, if you want me to be a dog for you, if you want me to have zeal, I'm changing. I'm agreeing with you right now. Don't go harder for your job, for sports, for school, for everything else, and not go hard for God. Come on, stand to your feet. How many of y'all like, I'm going to keep it 100? 100% effort? 100% on fire for God. I got to keep it 100. Come on, play me some music. Here's what I want to do today. I want us to close with a time of repentance. Here's what I mean by the love of God. God is so good that he's like, I'm not, I don't really want to spit you out. I will. I don't, I don't, I don't want to reject you. I just want to correct this. I want you to see today as a space of love. That it's not, don't, don't, don't take it like, oh, I'm such a bad Christian. You know, we all mess up. But thank God for words of correction that bring us rightly in line with him. Just make a choice today. Say, I'm going to change it. If you're here today and you're like, uh, yeah, I ain't been a hundred with God. And you're like, God. I don't even know how to. Some of you, you're afraid for me to ask because you're like, if I say I'm going to keep it 100, that means I really got to do it. And God's like, yeah. Because 99 and a half won't do. You want God, here's what I hear God saying. You want me to release breakthrough in your life. Do you know how much energy and effort that cost the universe to bring you that to, to align with bringing you what God has called you to have. It's a lot. And we won't take the effort to say, God, I got a hunter for you. There are dreams in your heart. God put them there. He wants them to come to pass, but you got to go hunt it for him. Some of you, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. Well, now's a good chance to start. And you might be like, I'm scared of how to keep it a hundred. The good part is if you mess up, and you did 99 and a half today, he's going to forgive you. Just wake up tomorrow and say, I'm going to do 100 today. And if you mess up, you're going to do 100 tomorrow. And guess what? Your 99 and a half is probably better than the 10 you've been given anyway. Don't stress. All right, every head bowed, every eye closed, even at home. I'm closing right now. I'm super long, but I'm not even mad. I'm not even apologizing because I think this was from God. Um, if you're here today, and you're saying, yep, I need to repent. You don't have to tell me what for. Just lift your hands. I want to pray for you. Even at home, just do a hand raise. Just, I just need to repent. I got my hand up. I've been tripping, God. I'm going to keep it 100. See, keeping it 100 means I got to be authentic in my relationship with God. I've been tripping. <sighs> I haven't been doing what you call me to do. And some of you, you've been running from God for so long. 
You've let the enemy lie to you about all these reasons why you can't give your life to Jesus. I hear God saying, just try me. Trust me. I got your back. If that's you and you've never given your heart to Jesus, or maybe you have and it's been a while and you need to recommit to him, just lift your hand. I want to pray for you. If you're here, I just want to pray for you. Lord, I pray for every person with their hand lifted right now. And I declare that God, we come to you. Come on, just begin to talk to him. Lord, forgive us. Just mumbling under your breath. Lord, forgive me. I've been lukewarm. I've not kept it a hundred. And God, this message has really hit me. I want to be on fire for you. I want to keep it real with you. I want to give you effort, God. I want to grind with you. I want the things you have for me, God. I want, some of us, we want the scholarships and we want God to open doors for us in our business, but we don't want to give God his time to do it. And God is like, if you will grind for me and in that thing, I will blow your mind what I can do for you. Your journey don't have to be like nobody else's journey. God, I hear God saying, if you will grind it out for me, if you'll keep it 100, if you give 100% effort, I will accelerate you quickly into spaces where you were told you should never be, where you were told you can never have. I will put you in places where people will go, how did you get there? And you and only you will know it's because I grinded in my prayer closet. Father, in the name of Jesus, we surrender to you. God, we commit to keeping it 100, to be 100% of a dog fighting for the promises of God, fighting for your presence, fighting, oh God, to obey your word. We commit, God. I release this morning spiritual athletes. Come on, I know some people may have never stepped foot on on a competitive field or a competitive court in anything. I don't care. The devil, come on, somebody y'all need to know, Satan is showing up on the battlefield every day against you and you acting like I ain't even in the game. God's like, you in the game get knocked out and don't even know it. But if you will take on the attitude of a spiritual athlete and get a little grind in it, you'll be kicking Satan's butt because you have authority to take care of this stuff. Father, in the name of Jesus, we declare we're going to grind for you. We're going to go hard for you. God, we declare we're moving from lukewarm to lit. We declare we're keeping it 100 with you. We declare, come on, some of y'all just need to start telling him, God, I'm on fire. Come on, even right now, you may not feel like you're on fire, but God, I'm making a choice. I repent. Forgive us, God, for not being for not being hot and for being lukewarm. But God, today, we make a choice. We make up our mind to agree with you, and we repent, oh God. We repent. Now, God, we declare, come on, some of y'all just need to open in your mouth and just say, I declare that I'm on fire for God. I declare that I'm a grinder for God. I declare that, come on, some of it you don't understand, that most work for athletes is mental. It's not physical. It's telling yourself what you can do, even if your body don't feel like you can do it. But in the name of Jesus, I'm telling, come on, tell your mind, tell your body, tell your spirit, this is what we gonna do this week. We gonna grind for Jesus. We going hard for him. We gonna surrender we're going to wake up early. We're going to spend time in his presence. We're going to seek the almighty God. Whatever he asks me to do, I'm going to grind it out. Just like a coach. Tell me, God, what to do. And I will do it so I can get the maximum performance out of my, my body each and every day for you. God, we surrender in Jesus' name. Pastor Sheena James, Senior Pastor of Rohe Christian Church of San Jose. This has been the Church of the Week, showcasing churches and pulpit ministries from across the greater San Francisco Bay Area. To nominate your congregation for Church of the Week, please email us the name and address of your pastor and church, along with a link to your church's website to churchoftheweek at salemsf.com. Again, that's the name and address of your pastor and church, along with a link to the website and email to churchoftheweek at salemsf.com. While all submissions will be considered, not every submission is guaranteed airtime. Thank you for joining us today, and be sure to tune in again next week at this time for the Church of the Week. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.